Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is episode 63 with Jonathan Levy. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Jonathan Levy, and he's calling me from Tel Aviv, Israel. And um, this guy is basically a lifelong entrepreneur. So he started small businesses since he could reach the kitchen counter, as he self-describes. Uh, and then um, while he's not a programmer, he's very talented, is very passionate, rather, about technology and how it can dramatically improve the world that we live in. He's an outspoken life hacker, avid speed reader, animal lover, fitness enthusiast, Amateur photographer, all-around eclectic, and basically jack of all threads and master of everything. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank <laughs> you so much, Tyler. Wow, I hope I can live up to that bio. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's basically all you've done, and I, I'm very intrigued because, um, first of all, one thing I want to start with is you said you're Silicon Valley native, but right now you're in Tel Aviv. What's the story with that? Yeah, it's a little bit of a long story, but basically as a kid, I spent a lot of time in Israel. My father's Israeli, and he kind of really raised me to be multicultural and really respect other cultures and learning about other cultures as one of the utmost values. And, you know, learning languages and things like that is one of the most important things someone could learn. So I sold a business in 2011, and I had this acceptance letter in my hand to a business school named INSEAD, which is in Singapore and France. So I was excited, you know, to go out, like my dad said, go learn about other cultures, live in other countries for a year or so. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I might as well go early. I've got six months between the closed date of this company selling and having to be sitting in a classroom. So I decided to come out to Israel for the first time to actually live here on my own independently as an adult. And man, I just fell in love with it. So did six months here, then a six-month period in Singapore, four months in France. 
And I actually went back to the Valley to try and do a startup there. And I made it about three months and said, you know what, I'm no longer compatible with living in the United States. And ultimately, I don't like the person that I become and the values that I assimilate to. And I just don't really uh, like the life I lead in the U.S. personally. So I came back to Tel Aviv and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> All right. Now, you, you said you didn't like the way you were becoming. Was that – did you feel like you weren't being able to be yourself as you would like to be or – Well, it's a version of yourself. Right. Guy Kawasaki has a really great quote where he says basically, you know, the thing that's great about Silicon Valley is everybody wants to be something they're not. The entrepreneur wants to be an angel investor. You know, the VC wants to be the entrepreneur, and Guy Kawasaki just wants to be a pro hockey player. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's happy with what they are, and that's part of the beauty of Silicon Valley is everybody wants to be more and do more. But I, th I think other societies in other countries do that in a way that allows at least me personally to be happy with who I am and what I'm doing and not get into this mindset of, oh, my God, I need to raise $5 million or I'm a worthless human being, you know? Yeah, no, no, I completely get it. And one of the things I'm going to talk to you, maybe even offline, is, is the INSEAD because I've been – I'm wrapping up my MBA right now. I'm graduating oh, awesome. in, in a couple of weeks, actually. But I've fallen in love with the what INSEAD does, and I've been doing a lot of research, as you know. I run a media company based on multicultural millennials. Right. Um, and, and how they can make an impact in the world, whether it's to technology or diversity. And I was just, when you had said INSEAD, I was thinking what that experience was like. Because like, you hear the stories, you see the research they do, but what's an actual student's life like there? Oh, it's funny you ask that question in that way because actually Wall Street Journal followed me around for a day, myself and three other students from three other business schools. Wow. And they followed me and it was like a typical day, but uh, the typical day of an INSEAD student is absolute insanity. Wake up at you know 6.30, try to get into the gym if you can, hustle through the pouring rain to classes, have class till 3, 4 o'clock, maybe get in, you know, 30 40 minute lunch in between i typically tried to take a nap because i was so exhausted case studies case studies over dinner social events i mean INSEAD is known as a very social school and attracts a lot of very social people so you're going out many nights a week for dinners you're going out many nights a week uh at least in singapore night clubbing and you know get home at 2 a.m and then do it all over again the next day I, that, that, is, that doesn't sound like a bad day at all <laughs> it was by far the most incredible and most challenging year of my life. Hmm. All right. Now, talk to me about that dichotomy. Challenging and incredible. Yeah. Well, okay. First, from an academic perspective, you know, I have the entrepreneur's disease, ADD. Hmm. So sitting in a classroom, even being an expert in accelerated learning, sitting in a classroom for eight hours a day is hard as hell for me. And sitting over case studies for another four or five hours a day is hard as hell for me personally. Uh, also, socially, it can be challenging. I was a lot younger than many of my classmates, so there's a little bit of a divide between people who are in different life stages. And it's a very inclusive place, but you know, there's certainly the people who have much more social energy and much more extrovert energy than I did. And I think uh, one of the more predominant feelings people feel is uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Fear FOMO, of missing out. yeah. 
it's like it's the biggest thing and it rules you at INSEAD because you'll realize that people are going out and you know they're going to go out till 5, 6 in the morning and everyone knows we need to be at class at 8.30. And it doesn't matter if – no matter how much you tell yourself, you know, I really don't want to be doing that. I just want to relax. But you're going to hear the amazing stories and you're going to hear how much fun they had and you're going to see all the photos on Facebook. And it's really about grappling with yourself and, and asking, like, what do you want to be doing? What are you here for? Right. But it's hard. Like, it, it causes a little bit of an identity crisis. And I found myself living with some of the most social people I've ever met in my life uh-huh. and just really needing time to decompress, <laughs> needing to get in my workout, needing to, like, catch up on crappy TV shows because like I need my quiet time. I'm an only child. I was raised, you know, I had a lot of quiet time growing up and I'm used to it. So it's challenging, you know, and not to mention, like I said, like your calendar's full, you're stressed like hell, you're meeting uh, a thousand new people and you know, it's challenging, but just incredible. Like it's kind of, uh, it almost sounds like the army, the way you describe it. You'll do things and accomplish things you never thought you could. Mm Mm-hmm. And your workload will be so much more extended than you ever thought. So no, I, I mean, as you were saying that story, I'm, my dad's a diplomat, so I grew up constantly between cultures, and I always mm-hmm. people never believe me now, but I, I always say, you know, I'm I, <laughs> I was actually an introvert. Sometimes I, to some extent, I still am, but I had to grow into an extrovert to be able to actually understand and interact with people. Because once you're constantly between people and you're trying to find your place mm-hmm. in different cultures, you have to be like. You know, you have to put yourself out there to some extent. Um, yeah, and then oh, uh, you and me both. Man. Yeah, and me both, yeah. Like... And then you were talking about decompress, and I remember I was at a conference earlier this year when I went to go speak, and it, you know, it was constant speaking, 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 and I and I loved it. I can you know, I can be that person, but I just found myself going up to like the twelfth floor just to breathe, and then come back down. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, all right, all right, okay, I got my time. Good, I'm going back down. And I did. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because in the NBA you do all these like Myers Briggs tests, and yeah. I always test as a, as an E, an extrovert. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, I, I know I'm not. Like I test like an extrovert, I behave like an extrovert. But at the end of the day, if you get home from a networking event and you feel drained and not energized, there's nothing extroverted about that. <laughs> I'm so with you on like, that. <laughs> you know, you and I are the closet uh, introverts. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm I'm the social chair on campus here. But I, you know, after all those nights when you put the events, I'm like, ah, all right, <laughs> just sit mm-hmm. down. But um, no, so that's good. So that's the instant experience. And then you had talked about you had just, I guess you had sold the business right before then. Yes, sir. Now, as a serial entrepreneur, what about entrepreneurship really attracts you? Because I, I imagine you sold a business, you went to school, and then you went back, right back into entrepreneurship. So can you? Actually, let's do yeah. this. Can you walk me through your entrepreneurship journey? Because you said you started doing that since you were a kid. So I'm curious. As to yeah. Why that. Well, when I was a kid, I didn't really have – I think along about when I was four or five years old, my father left uh, a real estate firm to start his own firm. And my mother had always been – she'd kind of stayed at home but was running a side business doing uh, theater costumes and stuff like that for children. And so my – really most of my examples of adults were entrepreneurial um, you know, my preschool teacher had a side business that she did personal uh, personal development and coaching and teaching. And so most of the adults in my life kind of led me to believe that if you needed money, for some reason, I, I developed this belief that if you needed money, you started a company. So along about four or five years old, I like tramps into the living room with my friend and I tell my parents like, my friend Joey and I are starting a company. We're going to make, we're making, sorry, I'm going to take that over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
my friend Joey and I are starting a company and we're going to make handmade goods with all the craft supplies we have lying around the house and we're going to sell them door to door. And, you know, that didn't work. And so the next thing became, uh, you know, we were going to, we're going to bottle the aloe vera in my parents' front yard and sell it as hand lotion. That didn't work. And then a little bit more sophisticated, we started buying Beanie Babies from our friends and speculating on the prices. That didn't work out. And then I did some web design. I did mobile DJ stuff all before I was 16. When I was 16, I started a company selling luxury car parts. Uh, you know, all my friends were getting cars and everybody wanted to modify their cars. And there was just a huge lack of supply and really lousy customer service in the industry so set up a website started importing goods i mean in the very nutshell version and that company just grew and grew and grew we kind of vertically integrated started creating our own product lines started controlling distribution for some of the better product lines uh in the country and in the world and you know built the offices built the sales office built the warehouse and just grew from there wow and and then obviously yeah, it's been a series of uh, companies since then. With um, with you, I, when I was reading your bio, you were talking about how you you feel like digital or technology can change the world. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, on a few different ways. I'm really big on information. I'm really big on uh, learning. Right. I think from my perspective, I mean, I learn by failure. I, as I said in my story, I failed like four or five times before I ever got it right. And I love that quote that goes like, you know, it took me 20 years to be an overnight success. And I still fail. Like I start startups and ideas and, you know, even with all the failure under my belt and all the success that I've been blessed to have, I still fail a lot. And I'm a big believer in it. And honestly, I believe that learning is the key differentiator, right? If you want to be successful, you need to learn. Uh, a year and a half ago, I was doing none of what I do now. So today I have a podcast. I just published a book. Uh, I teach online courses. You know, I have a software company. I guess I was doing that before, but the rest of it is all new. And that's all about learning. That's all about self-educating, teaching myself, and rapidly learning how to dominate in these new industries that you know I never considered myself to be in. So that's one. The second is that technology makes production really super interesting and i'll tell you why like a hundred years ago you produce something whether it's a shoe you know a good or a service and that service may be uh heart surgery maybe not a hundred years ago but that service may have been a massage or you may have produced a good you know like a table and you produce that good and then you sell it and that's it you've now sold it once and it's gone but with technology and with the digital revolution you can now produce a good once duplicate it for free right it costs me nothing when someone uh, downloads another copy of my ebook or right. downloads one of my courses or listens to my podcast like there is zero absolutely zero marginal cost and so that's an amazing thing about technology just think about how much information we can disperse to people whether that information is software whether that information is learning videos i mean basically you're getting to a point where you can learn almost anything for free and that's only possible because people don't have to print textbooks or mail dvds or any of that kind of stuff so it's really super interesting and i think that's one of the driving forces behind changing the world is the fact that we can disseminate information just think about even a hundred years ago even 50 years ago yeah you know your parents tell stories of like 
I wanted to do my thesis on X, Y, and Z, but the local library didn't have enough research on that particular subject, and I didn't want to drive four hours to the next big city. Yeah. Like, that would never happen. <laughs> like, just download the research papers and write your thesis on whatever the hell you want to write it on. Yeah, yeah. No, my, my, I'm from Nigeria, so my parents tell me, <laughs> I, I walked exactly. five miles when I was your age, and this is not something that you should be doing. You know? <laughs> that oh, that's just... a really good Nigerian accent as well. <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm like, that's, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's how we used to do it. So my mom and dad would be like, you know, you, know, you kids, you, you guys, you have it good. So, I, I, and the reason I really wanted to talk on that was... um. I share the same vision you have with technology, and I feel like, the, you know, I, I talk on this all the time. Millennial generation is the most diverse generation in, that has ever lived. Also, the most digital savvy, um, and them in Generation Z. But some of the things that I do worry about is that when it's time for us to take our mantle as the next set of global leaders, I do wonder if we're, we are ready. And I'm always trying to focus on uh, ways technology can actually make that happen, whether it's through entrepreneurship to solve problems or through technology or just even launching media companies that help yeah. raise awareness about these type of things. Yeah, and that's the, the premise of what UID is. What do you think, um, from your experience, having interacted with several cultures and looked at some of the world problems around in, uh, and you you know seeing everything from different lenses, what do you think millennials can do to make a dent and making the world a better place? Oh man, that's a great question. Especially coming at it from the perspective of, you know, nomads mm -hmm. and, you know, I I employ people in like four or five different countries. My assistants in a country I've never visited. My book editors in a state I've never visited. And you know, it's very easy to lead this nomadic lifestyle where I can be based anywhere and do all my work. But it does raise that question of, can I build impactful technology that's going to change the world? I think so. I think it's much harder. Um, the example that immediately comes to mind is WordPress, which, as you know, powers 70% of new websites and something like 23 or 25% of the entire web is run on WordPress. And these guys barely have an office. I mean, they have an office with some of their employees, but they're distributed all over the world. And there's a podcast on the Tim Ferriss show where the founder and CEO is on the show and basically talking about how he governs over thousands of employees who may or may not have ever met each other. And they're building one of the most, I mean, you, you want to come back to like disseminating information and creating freedom and availability to, for anyone to publish. I mean, you can do whatever you want on WordPress and it's free. And that's empowering millions of people to like create businesses. And they themselves are doing it by using distributed teams, by using all these amazing open source tools and the open source movement as a whole. And so you can do it. I think it's harder, definitely. I mean, having run my first successful business while I was at college and one of my partners was at college somewhere else and having an office and trying to manage it, I can tell you it's difficult. But I think ultimately what's cool about our generation and another thing that technology allows us is that we have the luxury of choice and I can choose to say, you know what, I want to work for Google, but I want to take a day and work from home or, you know, I want to be a podcaster and a blogger, but I don't want to go into an office every day. I want to do it from wherever the hell I happen to be. And so we have that freedom of choice and we have the freedom to choose, you know, to engineer tools and solutions and systems like Scrum and like Lean and disciplines mm -hmm. that allow us to then choose our lifestyles 
and still have impactful technology and, and create things that matter. And I think just a, a toss outside note, have you happened to uh, read Peter Thiel's new book, Zero to One? No, I haven't, but I've, I've heard a lot about it, actually. Um, my just staring at a pile of books I need to catch up on. So you... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe you could uh, tell us what it's about so I can... Yeah, I'm going to have to hook you up with my speed reading course because <laughs> I used to have that same problem. Yeah. But uh, it's basically his idea is like Silicon Valley once was about incredible game-changing ideas. I mean, there was a guy who wanted to build a land bridge to connect the North Bay to the South Bay, right? Oh. And like nobody would have a crazy idea like that unless they're Elon Musk, right? Or any of these PayPal guys who are like, you know what, let's completely shatter the payments industry by creating an online bank, which is what PayPal was. And so his idea is like, we need none of these more incremental ideas of like, I mean, what's really the difference between WhatsApp and Snapchat? You know, it's like a a small minor evolution, but not a revolution. Mm -hmm. And his idea is like, let's skip the 0.1, the 0.2, let's go all the way to a new paradigm, like a 1.0. And that's when you start getting into really paradigm-shifting ideas like can we genetically create 3D-printed steaks, right, so we don't have to slaughter a billion animals a year? Mm-hmm. Can we you know, genetically engineer human beings to not have certain issues that we have? Can software write itself? I mean, these are, you know what I mean, renewable energy, things like that that are paradigm-shifting ideas and not Snapchats. I mean... Snapchat's a, a cool app and everything, but I don't think it's shifting any paradigms or changing the world fundamentally. No, I, I love. I mean, first of all, Elon Musk. I don't know. I, I I don't know where to start with uh, with his mind and with some of the ideas he comes up with. Uh, but I think I think that's such a good point because there's a difference with evolution and revolution, right? You, and you were mm-hmm. talking about and kind of what it sounds like what you want to do and what I I hope to actually do is to inspire a bunch of people who are able to take that mantle and say, you know, I want to make that, you know, that revolution. My biggest role model is Nelson Mandela. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, someone that can able to just take a stand against something and just do something that maybe no one else thought that was possible before is something that I'm always drawn to. I'm drawn to stories like that. And, right. um, and I think it's, I think it's interesting. And then before I go into the next point to dive into some of your things, I wanted to go back to something you had said about, WordPress. I saw something the other day. It was two thousand. It was titled two thousand fifteen. Uber, the world's largest taxi company, owns no vehicles. Facebook, the world's most popular media, owns 
no content. Oh, creates no content. And Alibaba, the world, uh, the most valuable retailer, has no inventory. And Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. Incredible. And I just thought that that is so powerful because that's that was what happened with the, you know, you were talking about WordPress, and I just thought that's exactly the power that we have today with a generation if we can come up with ideas to uh to revolutionize the world and i right i, I think it's interesting what could happen um, yeah i i also want to drive home the point i mean i give a lecture on failure which i actually gave in uh nairobi recently and ultimately it comes down you know a lot of the typical entrepreneurial stuff that you tell new entrepreneurs don't be afraid to fail try new things create failures in such a way that you fail forward like all that good stuff but ultimately I come to the conclusion in the talk that there's one kind of failure that you shouldn't accept and that isn't productive and that's the failure to create a life of meaning and purpose doing things that you enjoy and I think that's an important point because again we have so much choice in our generation to really like we have more freedom of over our production and over our time than any generation before us I mean our parents couldn't professionally podcast if that's what they love to do right and mm. and yet you and I both do that for a living and so we have all this freedom and nearly anybody can do it and i think to some extent we have an obligation to mediate that with doing impactful meaningful things right and and there are going to have to be some of us in our generation who do build the word presses who do build the 3d printed stakes who do build the renewable energy plants but you know, for those of them out there, I would hope that they're able to do it with everything that we have at our disposal. I'd hope they'd be able to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice their life. Yep. No, I, I couldn't even have said it better myself. I think it's uh, I think we have to find that that interesting um, dynamic there and make sure we don't lose ourselves in the process. And yeah. we actually do I mean, something to identify other people. Happiness is all that matters, you know. And if if you're working yourself to the bone and you're loving it, if you're a Steve Jobs type. And, you know, you want to work till the day you die, that's awesome. But I think there are a lot of people out there doing amazing things and doing less amazing things. I mean, I know a lot of iBankers who are really, really super unhappy. And uh, I don't see the logic in that. I don't see the logic in living a life where you're day-to-day dragging your feet through it. Yeah, yeah. It all comes down to that that idea that there's no actual one model for success. You know, you don't have to replicate what someone else does and, and you know and apply it to your life if it doesn't make any sense so sure sure um yeah no i i'm completely with you on that let's go to some of your products here um i'm seeing a theme here it seems like the word super <laughs> <laughs> is it's attached to everything so super learner super uh human and uh you know super everything why do you talk about your products and why you feel like Yeah, so it actually all started out while I was in Israel. I was doing some work with a VC, and I happened to meet uh, what I would argue was probably not my first ever superhuman skill, Hmm. but uh, the first one that really jumped out at me. I I met someone who was able to read about 2,000 words a minute with 80% retention. Now, yeah, to to give you some basis for comparison... Your average college student reads 250 words a minute with 40% comprehension. So this was like a mind-blowing revelation. And, you know, when someone reads to that extent, it affords them an opportunity to do a lot of research and a lot of thinking on these topics. And so it kind of turned me on to the idea. And, of course, I hired he and his wife who taught him. 
you know, for private lessons, which is how I now teach accelerated learning. But uh, it it turned me on to the idea of super skills, that there are really cool skills out there, like knowing how to cook a salmon. But then there are super skills that are, again, platitude shifting, paradigm shifting skills, right? If I can read a book that would take you eight hours, I can read it in an hour and a half and retain more. That's not like he's a solid reader, he's a fast reader. That's like a different level of performance. If I can sleep four and a half hours and be as healthy and happy and energized as someone who sleeps eight hours, that's like a pretty big deal skill, right? My day is now significantly longer than yours. So I I got into this idea and I've always been a big fan of Tim Ferriss, who I think is an awesome lifestyle hacker. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I wanted to pursue a little bit more into kind of the life hacking. So I learned the skill, uh, which really significantly helped me at INSEAD and in my career. And as I said, it's it's been a paradigm shifter for me. And I decided, you know, what if we built an online course? Because it's really not cheap to hire a coach for uh, six to eight weeks to sit with you nonstop and just train you how to read, how to memorize, how to learn. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of like a language issue. A lot of the materials were not in English, I studied in uh, Hebrew. So we translated it and put it online and I kind of was rolling off the failure of trying to publish a book. And so I learned a good bit about what it takes to succeed in these marketplace websites. And again, I just really, I practice what I preach. I decided once I got them to agree to let me license their intellectual property, I said, great, I'm going to sit down one Saturday afternoon. I'm going to read everything there is to know about building online courses, successfully marketing them, uh, ranking algorithms of marketplace sites. I mean, I I sat down one day, I opened 42 browser tabs or something like that, and I just power read through all of it. And, you know, within the first uh, three or four weeks of our course going live, we were one of the best sellers on Udemy. So that's kind of snowballed. I've built other courses in productivity travel hacking. I'm working on a course now on personal branding and building an online empire, though I don't necessarily want to call it empire. And yeah, I mean, to date, we've uh, we've racked up 30,000 students who've been incredibly supportive and they're just the most wonderful human beings on the planet and they encourage me and push me along and demand things of me, one of which was a book that we just published on Amazon about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And one was a podcast, a podcast and blog called The Becoming Superhuman Podcast. And that's where I explore not only learning and memory superhumans. I've interviewed four-time U.S. memory champion Nelson Dellis. I've interviewed some of the world's best language learners. But also physical performance, emotional performance. Like how do you get more out of life? How to get these skills that are not just a small incremental improvement over your average, but game changer you know a woman who can deadlift two and a half times her body weight like i can't do that and i'm a pretty strong dude but she can and and she has some secrets and tips um before this call i was chatting with one of my previous guests yuri marmerstein this is a guy who taught himself to be like cirque du soleil quality gymnast Mm. all by himself like very little training very little formal education in gymnastics but this guy put in the hours and he's one of the best hand balancers in the world wow so really interesting folks and just again branching out the beauty of being an expert in learning is i can take really diverse interests so i'm getting more and more into gymnastics i'm really into diet and nutrition i'm really into photography as you said so 
Yeah, and you know what's so interesting? What I heard and what you said is that you really mastered. You know, you found the passion. You got. You created that niche. You mastered it, and then it became. You know, you built that community. Thirty thousand, I think. And mm-hmm. then it became, it just branched off into so many other things, which is very, as I'm going through my entrepreneurship journey myself, I'm learning the importance of having that focus and being just really good at one thing before you can actually start to grow oh, into yeah. another thing. Because, you know, you hear everybody, when I was making, reading your intro and, and uh, you had talked about failing, you know, you know, in order to become that overnight um, sensation is everybody sees the bios like yours and others like, this guy just does everything. But <laughs> but then they some of the things and I've fallen prey to this many times just because you know as, as I learn, but it's never doing everything at once. It's the fact that you really honed in a skill, you mastered, you opened forty two tabs, you practiced, you practiced, you put in the time, and then you built that, and you got them, you got the the yeah. them to agree for you to license the course, and then yeah. you built that community, and all of a sudden it's like well you know superhuman. Why don't you get a podcast? Why don't you have a book? Right. Why don't, and you respond to the audience because they said they wanted a book, right? And then it's such and such. Yeah. So it's a couple of things, right? It's like exactly like you said. I try to conquer one base at a time. Uh, unless I, recently I've gotten a lot better at delegating things. So I've kind of worked on simultaneous projects and had, you know, I'll get a transcript or a manuscript rather to my editor. She'll work on that. And then I'll, I'll string things and structure things. I have a, a really solid team working with me on the podcast, uh, mostly out of Bosnia, so that really helps. Um, but yeah, it's it's about mastering one base. It's about also a lot of lean principles, right? I listen to my customers, I listen to my students, I listen to my users, and uh, both in the software company, which is kind of a side gig, and in, like you said, all this online learning stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm also a big believer in the law of attraction, right? I talk about it a lot uh, with friends and I talk about it a lot in my personal life and on my show. Like, I really believe that if you're open to opportunity, the universe will put the right opportunities in front of you mm-hmm. and you'll know when they're right. So I tried to put out a book, kind of forced it because I didn't know what I was going to do after my MBA and it was going to be a book for entrepreneurs who will never have time to get an MBA because, you know, they raised money or they started their startup. You know, what are you missing out in business school? And it was really forced and it didn't feel right. But one of my life goals was publish a book. So I wanted to do it, right? And it completely flopped. Whereas with this book, you know, people were knocking down my door saying, what are some books on these topics? Where can I reinforce my learning? You know, is there a book version? I don't have time to sit in front of the computer and watch lectures. And uh, I mean, when the opportunity is right, you'll know it. And the universe has an amazing way of presenting you with the right opportunity at the right time. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, where can we find out a lot about what you're doing? So the book, the podcast, everything. And your courses. Yeah. So lots of different web presences, unfortunately. Everything that I do and all my projects are all at jle.vi, uh, which is my personal website portfolio. That has everything. If you want to check out the blog, the podcast, some of the guests that I've had, that's becomingasuperhuman.com. Um, and I'd love to actually tell you, I'd love to give your guests a 90% off coupon on the accelerated learning course, okay. which makes it really only only 15 bucks instead of 150. Uh, and they can get to that at jle.vi slash nomads. Okay. Or if they want to pick up a copy of the book, I think Amazon sells it for eight bucks. That's jle.vi slash book. I try to keep it real easy for people. 
simple. As long as you remember my name, then you'll remember most of my links. <laughs> yeah, well, guys and gals, it sounds like it's jle.vi, and then that's like the home base for everything. And exactly. then it go, goes on to that. Well, exactly. <laughs> but we're almost done here. I just wanted to ask you a couple questions. One of the questions I ask a lot of my guests is uh, how they use their difference to make a difference. So how do you use your difference to make a difference? Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I have a board on my wall, which has a lot of things, including goals, but it also has core values. And one of my core values, in fact, probably my favorite core value, I'm going to read you exactly what it says, Tayo. It says, march confidently to the beat of your own drummer, never be ashamed or embarrassed. And that comes from the fact that I, I had a pretty hard time as an adolescent, and I wasn't exactly the kid who fit in, and I always thought differently. Ah. And then I realized that, you know, at some point you realize that that's a strength, and at some point you realize that there are a majority of people out there who think the same, and that may not be to their benefit. So I think very, very differently, and I think differently about what life can be and about structuring your life and what life is about and what it means. And I try at every opportunity, whether it's on one of these podcasts or on my show or in my courses, I really try to drive that point home to people that you don't have to see the world the way that other people do. And you don't have to see your life the way that other people expect you to see it. And I hope that makes a difference. No, you know? you're right. And you know, one of the things throughout this conversation, it's really been like I've been talking to like my one of my reflections because <laughs> I always say... You know, I, I was also an ugly duckling, like my adolescent years, growing up in different countries and then experiencing puberty. Interesting experience. But when you look back, yeah, you know, it made me a lot stronger. And I always say I ended up being able to use my identity crisis as a gift. And there's actually beauty in the mindset of a nomad because of the perspectives that I was able to see. Now, at the exactly. time, I was like, oh, this is, I can't even talk to this girl. I like, you know, I have vivid memories. Right. right? But then... You know, looking back now, you can see some of the advantages. Um, and I always say there are 7 billion people in the world that, you know, it seems like a lot of work to try and be like 6 billion and something odd million right. other people because that's just a lot of work because you're going to have to keep adjusting. Why right. not be yourself? Um, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't start a podcast on becoming superhuman if you were uh, the cool kid in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. So... That's how you use the difference to make a difference. Um, Tel Aviv, what's next for you? What's next for me? I'm trying to work on this course. I'm partnering with a really cool guy named Anthony Mativier. He's one of the world's foremost experts on memory palaces and learning. He's built an awesome empire on that. And he and I want to build a course telling other people how to do what you and I have done, Tayo. So how to brand yourself, how to become an online brand, and how to spread your message because I think we all have a lot to share we all can develop ourselves. We all can become inspirational and impact and touch the lives of others. And Anthony and I want to teach people how to do that. Uh, besides that, my course will be coming out in Japanese soon. Uh, I'm thinking about doing another book. And as always, the podcast, I'm getting some really, really super cool guests. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably about enough, right? No, 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 that's a lot. That's good. <laughs> and it's good. And, uh, you know, I definitely... We'll put all the links in the show notes, but we got to get more of your voice in the world because I love what you're doing. Um, thank you, man. Back at you. I'm a plan, you know, and so I'm a fan. So thank you uh, for taking the time to talk today, and I appreciate that. Tayo, it's been a pleasure, man. 
You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.